This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cool Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, your whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and close to us, sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Meryl Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello, and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture, and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. O'Lan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 222, episode 222 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we delve in, we dip a toe into the world of Chinese mythology with the story of the origin of the Zodiac. This is the great race of the Zodiac. But before we get on to that, a big welcome to any new and indeed returning listeners. If you're a new listener, this is uh, quite different to what we normally do. Well, we do this at the moment every three weeks where we'll have a world tale um, but if you do listen to this and enjoy it, why don't you head right back to the very beginning and see what we've been building up to in the journey through Irish folklore and mythology and delving into other legends and world mythologies throughout uh, over the last four and a half years. Um, and if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so much for your continued support. All the usual ways you can support me and the podcast are by following me over on Instagram at FiresideBard, email me me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com sharing this on your stories sharing this with your friends it's the best way still for the podcast to continue to grow and evolve um, if you want to support me in a more direct way you can buy my book Garden Sea and Neo Myth of Home available in paperback from the Headstuff website or in Kindle version from Amazon all the links are in the description below we can ship the paperback anywhere around the world um, and the final way is of course by joining Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com pick up I just knocked some blood off the table uh, for as little as five euro a month although you can pay more if you want you can gain access to bonus material not just for Fireside but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network uh, and those are all the hard sells out of the way before we delve into the story yes I'm recording still from Dublin um, still very much in the midst of an incredibly incredibly hectic summer of playing music and giving literary tours and trying to still find the balance of uh, of finishing off my second book and writing, researching and recording the podcast as well. Um, but it is kind of like the end is in sight now. I've managed to pull back from some of the gigs uh, that I was doing because I was really overworking myself. Uh, around 60 gigs were performed uh, in July alone, so uh, which has been great, and it's been great to be playing so much music and meeting other players and getting better and all, but it was really starting to take its toll on me, both physically and mentally, um, so I'm trying to get back to some kind of balance now, uh, so hopefully things will ease off in August now a little bit um, so that I can finish off uh, my book, 
by the end of the summer. I'd finished off the last draft a couple of months ago, but uh, significant rewrites have been needed, uh, as they often are, uh, as they often do. Um, but I'm I've written about 150 new pages of it now that are about to go in and begin the editing process all over again um, but that's it's exciting and it's great to have built that routine back up because the all the gigs I was doing was starting to consume me entirely um, and so it's great to be recording again today and the story this is an episode I wrote a few weeks ago I had been looking to explore some other eastern mythologies because they were again the worlds that I probably knew the least of um, in terms of storytelling, um, but was aware of that they had incredibly rich and ancient traditions themselves. So I wanted to explore some Chinese or Japanese mythology. Um, and in looking at a few stories, I found a great story from Japanese mythology that we might do in a couple of weeks. But when I encountered this story, I just became fascinated by it because I've always been intrigued by the idea of the the Chinese zodiac Um Naturally, astrology is hugely popular with a, with certain people in in the West, um, but the Chinese zodiac, which is different in that it denotes years rather than months, primarily, um, I found it had this this ancient folktale behind it, and I thought it was very interesting that these weren't necessarily arbitrary animals chosen that there was a very specific reason why each of the 12 animals of the zodiac and as i discuss in the story itself the word zodiac comes from a greek word uh, for a cycle of animals so in western astrology which is typically called zodiac as well most of the signs are of animals but not all of them and they are based on constellations. So it actually is a misnomer to call Western astrology the zodiac because it should just be a cycle of animals. But that's all explore more in the story. Uh, and we will chat more about it afterwards, of course. But this is the great race of the Chinese zodiac on Fireside. The great race of the Chinese zodiac. In the ancient world, the Jade Emperor was looking for a means of distinguishing and separating time. He decided to divide the years into a cycle of twelve animals. Our word zodiac comes from an ancient Greek word for cycle of animals. But which twelve animals would the Emperor choose? And in what order would they be placed? The Jade Emperor decided to hold a great race, and the first twelve animals to cross the finish line would be granted a place in the Zodiac. Cat and Rat were best friends. Cat told Rat about the great race. They were both thrilled at the chance to take an honoured place in time and history. So both animals decided they would attend the race together and help each other along. But the race would start early, and the cat was a late hunter and had a habit of not being able to wake up in the mornings. So Cat asked Rat if he would wake him up for the race. Rat agreed. However, on the morning of the great race, the rat forgot to wake up the cat. 
Rat claimed he was too excited and focused on the challenge ahead. But Cat and many others assumed the crafty rat conveniently forgot. The rat was very fast on land, but the final section of the race, which led to the heavenly gate of the Jade Emperor, was a gushing, powerful river. The rat was too small and weak to make it across the current himself, but on the banks of the river, Rat encountered the ox. Ox was mighty, strong and sturdy, and Rat asked Ox if he would carry him across the river. Ox was kind-hearted and naive, and so agreed. Ox easily waded through the river. Not even the current could impede this animal's sure foot and strong build. But at the end of the river, just at the finish line, Rat jumped off Ox's head and won first place. The first year of the Chinese Zodiac thus became the year of the Rat, and the second belonged to the Ox. Ox would never again trust Rat, and it is said those born in the year of the Ox are still incompatible with those born to the Rat. Not far behind the ox came the tiger, a ferocious, large animal who, while also powerful, was not a strong swimmer. Despite this, tiger managed to secure third place. The little rabbit, similar to rat, could not swim across the river. But the clever bunny found an alternative. He hopped across the rocks sitting above the surface of the water. About halfway across, Rabbit slipped on a rock and nearly drowned. But the nimble creature grabbed onto a floating log and drifted to shore, securing the fourth year of the Zodiac. Then came the glorious Dragon. Dragon was the largest and most magical of all the animals. Dragon could also fly. The Jade Emperor was expecting Dragon to easily win first place. So when she arrived after the tiny rabbit, the Emperor questioned Dragon. Dragon told the Emperor that while flying over the river, she heard the cries of a local village. Dragon swooped down to listen. The villagers were calling out for rain to nourish their dying crops. Dragon provided the rain and rejoined the race. But then the great beast saw the rabbit below nearly drown. When the rabbit climbed onto the log, Dragon used her powerful breath to blow rabbit to safety. Dragon was so selfless that not even rabbit knew this had happened. The Jade Emperor was bowled over by Dragon's heart and compassion and fifth place became the year of the dragon. And this is also why those born in the year of the rabbit are said to have good luck in the year of the dragon. The horse was the next to emerge from the river. Horse powerful and all as he was, the horse was slow and careful wading through water. Nevertheless, horse was content to try for sixth place. But when he arrived at the riverbank, the horse realized that wrapped around his hoof 
was the snake. At the sight of the slithery serpent, the horse reared up in fright. The snake slid into sixth place, with the horse having recovered his senses, having to take seventh. The Jade Emperor looked out to the river and saw a strange sight. A raft carrying not one, but three animals. The goat, the monkey, and the rooster. Not one of them known for their swimming skills, the three had elected to work together. The sturdy but clumsy goat suggested the building of a raft, which he and the nimble monkey could paddle, while the alert and attentive rooster kept a lookout for oncoming rapids and rocks. The Emperor applauded the animal's teamwork, and because he had hatched the plan, the goat was allowed eighth place in the zodiac, with the monkey and the rooster taking ninth and tenth places respectively. The dog was the next to arrive. The dog is a faster runner and stronger swimmer than practically all of the other animals. But the dog is playful and easily distracted. The dog could have won the race, were he not enjoying himself too much. He paddled and splashed without a care in the world. When he finally arrived at the riverbank, the dog shook himself dry and contentedly took 11th place and humanity continues to not deserve dogs unabashed. Only eleven of the twelve zodiac signs had been, well, assigned. The Jade Emperor looked out and could see no more animals near the finish line. He was about to give up and resign himself to the odd number of eleven. But then the Emperor heard an oink. Yes, the pig had felt hungry on his race, and so stopped to eat. Having eaten, the pig felt sleepy and had a nap. Finally waking, he shuffled and waddled through the river and finally arrived at the finish line. Pig was the twelfth animal, and so the final year of the zodiac became the year of the pig. But whatever happened to the cat... Well, the cat never woke up after Rat conveniently forgot to do so for him. So by the time he did, it was far too late. Some versions of this tale say that Rat and Cat made it to the finish line together, but Rat pushed Cat into the river where the poor puss drowned. In any case, Cat never got to be in the Zodiac, and the cat is a vengeful animal. Cat never forgave Rat for this slight. The former best friends became mortal enemies, and for the rest of eternity, the cat would always hunt the rat. And so, this is the tale of the great race, and how the twelve signs of the zodiac were chosen. Rat, ox, tiger, rabbit, dragon, snake, horse, goat, monkey, rooster, dog, and pig. Each animal corresponds to a year in a 12-year cycle, but also to a month in a year cycle, and to two hours each in a 24-hour cycle. Each animal associates with one of the five elements, wood, metal, fire, water, and earth. 
Each also corresponds to the light and dark of yin and yang. Apart from the complex rat, who is both yin and yang. There are also four trines into which the animals are grouped. The first trine is rat, dragon and monkey. Intense, individualistic animals, capable of leading others. They are ambitious, jealous, charismatic and dangerous. Ox, snake and rooster make up the second trine. Slow and steady, determined and proud, intelligent and petty. Tiger, horse and dog are idealistic and impulsive, anxiously and honorably seeking true love. The final trine is rabbit, pig and goat, sensible and selfish, empathetic and indecisive. And so each of us has an animal of the zodiac, to which our personalities, fears and desires all correlate to. For example, your fireside bard was born the ear of the monkey. He conflicts with the tiger and must avoid pig at all costs. The End This is how it's always been. Double Love is a podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join me, Anna Carey. And me, Karen Moynihan. As we revisit one of the maddest series of books ever written or ghostwritten. If you ever read about Elizabeth and Jessica, the perfect blonde Wakefield twins, then you might enjoy listening to us absolutely tearing them to shreds. Affectionately, of course. Of course. And even if you didn't, there's still plenty of drama, kidnapping, stolen boyfriends and school dances to entertain you. Find us on the Headstuff Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. And that is the tale of the great race of the Chinese Zodiac on Fireside. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, I've said it many times on this podcast before uh, that I love animal tales. I love uh, stories that personify animals because I love imbuing animal characters uh, with human personalities um, because they are just such ultimate archetypes. And I love anything, anything with an archetype, anything with like traditional character roles in it because they're just you can fill them with so much because they they stand so much on their own and then you can subvert them or, you know, um, make them more complex or go in any direction with them. There's just, there's so much trust in when you have, are starting with archetypes. Um, and I think it also comes from when I was in drama school, uh, one of my favorite modules that we did was in movement. We did uh, animal study uh, where for 10 weeks we... We were told to all go to the zoo and to find an animal that we were interested in. And over the next 10 weeks, we would basically be that animal. And so we were we got to choose a individual animal ourselves. And then we were assigned a pack animal as well in groups of three or four. And so I chose as my animal the sea lion because I've always identified a huge amount with sea lions because they're very clumsy on land but still manage to have some kind of grace in their natural element. Um, I've always attached, I've always been attracted to any animal that is clumsy, certainly. Um, 
And then my pack animal was the flamingo. And also a very clumsy animal, to be fair. So it was uh, well chosen uh, by my teacher to assign me as that. But so for the 10 weeks when I was playing sea lion, I basically didn't use the bottom half of my body, um, was sliding around all over the place. And then at the end of it, we had this idea of then if you're playing human characters, what animals are they? And there are certain performances. I believe Kate Blanchett is a big proponent of animal study. Um, and arguably the most famous example of animal study in in a movie is Anthony Hopkins's Hannibal Lecter, um, in which he based the performance around a snake. And so how he is so totally upright. He is like a king cobra. And even the little inflections with his mouth and the tongue thing that he does and the way that his eyes move was all based on the snake and managed to transform this character and give him this basis. And so I think always when there is a story about animals, it makes me think of that of all the potential. And especially when these 12 animals particularly were so carefully chosen because these were 12 animals that were incredibly important in ancient China and obviously there's two there's two stories at play here there is the story of how the zodiac came to be and how the animals were chosen and also this subplot of how the cat and the rat became enemies and it is interesting because I never questioned it before but it is unusual like the that the cat is probably the most commonplace animal worldwide that is not featured in the Zodiac. Uh, But apparently there were very few cats in ancient China and it wasn't considered a very important animal. So this subplot of how the cat ended up not being in the Zodiac perhaps was a modern uh, twist on that story. Um when cats did become more commonplace. But yes, I always knew, um, I always knew I was Year of the Monkey, but I didn't really know much else about the Chinese Zodiac. So this was a very, very interesting tale to research. And while I don't particularly subscribe um, to or believe in astrologies or Zodiacs, I am very interested in tarot, and uh, certainly have been over the last few years, uh, for again the reasons of archetypes and if you get a tarot reading even if you don't believe it is magic or prophetic or anything uh, it usually asks questions of you that can be quite enlightening um, it asks you to look at your life from a more objective point of view and I think that's very beneficial it's certainly very beneficial from a writing point of view um, which is and my interest in those is mainly from a creative point of view so knowing a good bit about tarot and probably knowing a little bit more about western astrology it was very interesting to explore the chinese zodiac and it is funny isn't it even if you don't you tell yourself you don't believe any of these things um when they do line up um with something that has happened you know, you can't help but appreciate the the coincidence of it. So I had a very, star- I'm going to get a bit personal now, I had a very stark realisation when I was doing my research and found that, um, similar to uh, astrology, each of us has our 
our year and as our animal that we um, are. And there are other zodiac signs that we are compatible with. Um, others that are, and then we each have a zodiac sign that is dangerous to us and one that must be avoided at all costs. Um, and some people might be able to see where I'm going with this. I went through a very, very painful breakup a few months ago. And um, what, so when I was researching this and I looked at Year of the Monkey and I saw that the sign that was dangerous to me was the tiger and the sign that must be avoided at all costs was Year of the Pig. And of course I looked up uh, and my ex was the Year of the Pig. And so even if I don't subscribe to that, I believe that when you encounter those moments, they do land, you know. And so there is always something in these uh, these stories and in these predictions um, that if you can just take them with a pinch of salt and look at them a bit more objectively, can be very beneficial. Um, like any Like any form of storytelling, to be fair, like if this could be just appreciated as a form of storytelling, um, which is why I was so delighted and excited that there was, because I doubt there is, is such a story with, with astrology because those are based on constellations that themselves are all individual characters. And while I've never been a big fan of astrology, um, because I've, I've had a couple of partners in the past that have been very, very interested in it and I don't like... I think since I stopped becoming, I, since I stopped being religious, I didn't really like any kind of isms. Um, and, but I've always quite liked being a Scorpio. <laughs> um, I've always still liked, that's always definitely been a little bit more part of my identity than I probably would have even let on. I still always liked being that sign. And whenever think Scorpio things are come up, I can't help but find them curious or interesting or agreeing with them or disagreeing with them so I can't help but uh, be at least interested or fascinated by some of this world and that's that's the real benefit of getting to expand the horizons of the podcast while always retaining our our roots um it's very exciting to to explore the rest of the world even if it's just for an episode even if it is just as I say dipping a toe in because naturally there I'm sure like so much more that I could know about the Zodiac and um, naturally we could go into uh, Taoism and explore yin and yang but that would take episodes and episodes I'd have to research that stuff for months or years to even begin to to talk about it but it is all here you know um the stuff is all there. Each animal obviously has a character beat in this as well. And this is where the arch archetypes come in. Is that, well, like every animal behaves according to its, our presumptions about that. Whether it's the, the rat being crafty and sneaky, um, uh, the, the ox being slow and steady and sturdy, uh, the only one who is unpredictable in any way is, of course, the only animal that is not real necessarily, and that's the dragon. Uh, the dragon is the only really like mythic creature and or magical creature in this story, and so we don't have um, 
an archetype necessarily to attribute to the dragon. And this story takes a really interesting look at dragon, um, casting her in the most heroic and sympathetic light. Because we have an idea about dragons from stories, which are that they're monsters and that they are a beast to be vanquished, you know, and for their head to be cut off or whether they're they're guarding a princess or coveting gold or whatever it is that we have this perception of dragons. But dragon in this story is very kind and helpful and selfless and incredibly powerful as well she can not only fly and breathe fire but she can uh, bring rain uh, to a starving village to help their crop grow and she selflessly helps the rabbit beat her in the race just so that the rabbit wouldn't drown um and i can't help that that was one of the most interesting drawing uh, things in this story is to change our perspective and it shows that perhaps because the dragon is is has always been a very hugely important animal in in the Asian world and Asian in Asian culture and and mythology and uh, you have to look at like all of their their countless architecture and in their tr- traditions and their New Year cycles customs and everything um, and so to see this very different um, and sympathetic view of the dragon versus a Western kind of Beowulf-esque uh, view um, of an Anglo-Saxon view of the dragon as this evil monster and this beast is incredibly interesting. Because otherwise we have, yes, we have sturdy ox, we have playful dog, we have lazy, gluttonous pig. And I love that each character does get their moment and their reason why they placed where they did. I mean, other than the dragon, the most out-of-place thing we have is is the wonderful... Uh, goat and rooster and monkey helping each other um that is the other thing that 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 shows the real creativity here of really thinking about if each of these animals was conscious and if they were to try and win a race and get over the river uh, that it would be these three that would go together these three animals that cannot swim uh, and didn't have the ox to carry them um so it's again it was quite a short tale but with a lot in it and 12 individual stories 13 if you count the the cat and so many more so much more that we could talk about um i will put my sources in the link below anyone who is interested in exploring this a little bit more because these are of course very very much broad strokes um from a culture that i don't belong to and have only recently started exploring in any meaningful way um, and as always my intention with this is just to kind of introduce some aspect of it to broaden my own horizons of world storytelling so that I can tell my own culture stories better and my own stories um, but it, it's really really been hugely beneficial and incredibly enjoyable so I hope you all have as well let me know as always what your thoughts are in um you can email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. You can message me at firesidebard on Instagram. Um, you can support me by buying my book. Link is in the description below. You can support me by following, uh, subscribing to Headstuff Plus. Uh, all of the links are in the description. Um, next week, we are going to have a story about Brendan the Navigator, um, the voyage of St. Brendan and the Great Whale, uh, a story that was difficult to adapt because Brendan is... 
a religious figure. So in a world where mythology, history and religion meet, that can be quite complex territory. But it ended up going to a really interesting place. I'm really, really happy with the episode. So I'm really looking forward to sharing it with you. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. Remember, wherever you are, wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.